Namaste. Planes and parts of the being. This uh, subject refers to the inherent complexity of our nature, of our being. And very often we try to oversimplify it. For instance, we'll often hear things like this is the material world and there is the spiritual world. Or we'll just hear there is the mind and there is matter. This oversimplification may be all right for uh, certain pragmatic purposes. Uh, it's also okay for a certain kind of yoga where we want to go out of creation, out of manifestation, seeking liberation. In which case, we need not know all this vast complexity. All that we need to know is where is the weak spot or where is the door which we can open and come out of our nature. But in a yoga of transformation or even a yoga which seeks that we act in the world, it's important to understand the complexity of creation and from the complexity of creation we see derived the complexity of human nature. In fact, human nature in many ways is more complex than creation itself because in creation we see only what has manifested so far. But in human beings there is also present as a seed what is yet to evolve. Let me take the example of a person who is travelling in a car now he has reached from point A to point C. So if somebody was to study this journey, he can tell us what is there from point A to point C, all that has gone on and he can make a very good plan, everything according to this uh, journey. But the person who is driving the car and more importantly the person who is seated in the car, he is wanting to go, let us say, to point E, F, G. Now, this is something we will not know because it has not yet manifested. So, we have these two terms used in yoga. One, that which has manifested. Whatever has happened so far, it has expressed itself. And that which has not yet manifested, so that becomes unmanifest. So, there are those two things, one which has entered into the material creation and in the shaping of things and the other which has not yet expressed itself. So we see this as two different things but from another point of view it is one continuum, it is the same story. But in the story part 1, part 2, part 3 is written, part 4, part 5, part 6, part 7 is yet to be written. So let's understand it, there are several images through which we can understand. So what has been written about the human story so far? Part 1, the material creation which eventually will form our body and every body in the world. Material creation. Then we see that in material creation life has emerged. So material creation is not just jad, it also begins to move, it begins to expand, it begins to grow, it begins to bring things out of itself. It goes on adventure trail and many, many things happen. So, that is part two of the story, which is the story of life. 
So you have the story of the material universe, how it has come into being, and then the story of life. Again, something of this life is there in us also. We are living beings and we are not just matter. And then the third chapter of the story is the mind. Meaning thereby that this energy moves matter. But who gives it the direction where it has to go? Who is supposed to be a kind of a guide? However ignorant. So that's where the mind comes in. So this mind which we see there in, in the form of intent within every species in human beings, it becomes more and more conscious. So we have these three chapters of the story which are written. But there are many more chapters which are not yet written. And it's important to understand this entire scheme. Because the whole story exists in the heart of the creator. But so far it has been written thus this much and there is a lot more which is going to come. So now, how is matter formed? Everything starts from there and we can compare it with there are dimmers which will dim the bulb light by degrees. So slowly if you keep dimming the light, a point may come when it seems there is no light. You can reach that point. But actually what has happened is there is the light but slowly it has dimmed itself by slowly down-regulating itself ultimately into a near absence of light. Something similar happens. So out of the one divine consciousness it slowly diminishes itself, diminishes itself by a process which is called as involution. Now what is involution? It means there is a self-concentration where you are concentrating only on one aspect. It's like, take an example of a person who is writing something. Let's say a doctor writing a prescription or whatever. So when you are writing, slowly you are so involved in the writing. The word used is involved. That you forget everything else. You may even forget that you are an author. There are many books inside. You are a father. You are a mother. Everything you have forgotten. So this involved is because the whole concentration has narrowed down to one focus. This process of narrowing of consciousness is called as involution. And this involution can go to a point where the consciousness completely seems to vanish. And that's what is called as the inconscient. So we see that there is the inconscient which means complete involution of consciousness. And the superconscious, where the creation has not yet begun and it is in all its fullness, all its wideness, all its infinity, all its possibility. And this change from the state of superconscious to in, inconscient is by degrees. So each degree, if we were to take time-lapse photography, we will see each degree of dimming creates a certain plane of consciousness because it cannot suddenly do that. It is a process. And while returning evolution, there is the recovery also through each of these degrees. So this is the basic plan and from there we have to understand the complexity. Let us take a simple example to understand all, how all these planes and parts are interconnected, interwoven in human stuff. So we take the example of the driver. It's a very good example. So let's take that, that there is a driver who is driving a car and there is the person who is seated in the car. So what really is the car? Car is the body. So car is made up of certain elements from 
those places where the body of the car is being made meaning thereby there is the material universe and it contributes to the formation of our physical matter but can the car run just like that no it needs a fuel so fuel is the life energy and again we see that fuel is of various kinds so there is the fossil fuel which is petrol which is found in the bowels of the earth and on the other hand there is the solar fuel which is found at the other end in between we have different kinds of fuels not applicable to car but yet we have petrol we have diesel we have electrical energy at least these are there as far as the car is concerned in other words we have three basic fuels one is the subconscious fuel which is petrol then there is the electrical which is something like the mid world and there is the solar which is the highest so there are three kinds of energy life energy which can drive us one where life moves very mechanically that is the fossil fuel and i think this finishing off of the fossil fuel is a good sign but that is a different thing altogether so fossil fuel means much of life is driven by the subconscious it's from the bowels habitually mechanically lot of life you see from morning till evening much of it is automatic mechanical then there is the electrical energy this electrical energy is the lightnings in the mind because electrical energy if you see originally of course in the atom everything is there but let's not make it so complex let's make it everything is everywhere so it's in the skies so electrical energy is brought from the skies brought from the skies means that's where you find it in the form of lightnings so this is when the mental energy when life energy wakes up in the mind starts driving the mind then we can say that there is another kind of fuel which has begun to drive and then there is still higher source of energy which is the original source which is the sun so accordingly we have different kinds of energy life energy which drive us as human beings and then apart from that we have now the driver so we have the car we have the life energy and the life energy can be of a very low kind it can be of a little higher kind and it can be the highest kind of life energy of course to have the highest kind of life energy the body of the car must also undergo a change so this is the process of evolution every time a new kind of energy comes the body must undergo a change we can't use the normal petrol car and run it on cng we have to convert it so this is how we can understand transformation in a very simple way that higher forms of energy are fuel efficient they don't create waste they don't create toxicity but the body must learn to accommodate and accept and be driven the whole engine has to be geared to that kind of new energy so this is about energy which means the life energy which is running the car now where does the driver come in driver is the one who has to decide which way the car will go the car is ready to go it the body is ready energy is put inside but who decides where it has to go apparently the driver if we look at it will appear that the driver is driving the car so driver is moving the steering so if we use the imagery from the upanishad and the gita we may say that the steering wheel is the mind whichever way the steering wheel turns that direction the car will go and the driver is the buddhi so the mind itself we can say there are two side aspects one is where the mind is simply driving the car its wheels we can say the wheels are the senses and the mind is driving the car whereas 
above the mind in indian psychology the word is buddhi now this buddhi again can be higher buddhi and the lower buddhi so what is lower buddhi lower buddhi is driven by whole lot of things happening inside the driver so the driver may not have had a breakfast he is very irritated he is very angry he is driving the car rashly whichever direction he feels like so what will happen the car is likely to crash and in the process kill many people there would be accidents or the driver may get suddenly very emotional you know i have seen drivers suddenly he will stop and give some excuse but he has to go to his home which is on the road <laughs> the the person who is sitting inside is getting late it has happened with me actually he said sir i'll come in 2 minutes now i didn't ask where are you going half an hour and it has happened three times so now i learned that you know he would say that sir my sister's place somebody will later on say something else but he has some vested interest so this is where we see that the buddhi may be under the siege either as i said of hunger of anxieties anger even fear so he won't go this way he may take another way or under the siege of emotions desires so the driver will accordingly the buddhi the lower buddhi is completely under the grip of all that is happening inside the driver meaning thereby the car will be going in all kinds of directions will take long to reach maybe it will crash land and there are likely to be complications on the way because driver is supposed to focus on the destination so there is the higher buddhi so what is the higher buddhi now when we look from outside it looks the driver is driving the car but is it really the driver who is driving so if we look inside the car we'll say oh the owner is sitting inside he has hired a driver sometime the owner is not sitting not visible but yet the driver is driving according to whatever the owner has told him the owner may tell him go pick up aya uh, from chennai airport so there is nobody sitting inside but the owner has told and he is acting accordingly so in us to all these different parts are there there is of course the physical body physical body is like the car it should be strong healthy no doubt about it if the car is of a very poor quality body is of very poor quality it can't go very far the fuel the life energy preferably should be of a high order but we can't have a life energy of the high order if the instruments are not used to be driven by it this one of the problems with uh, human nature that habitually we have learned to be driven by the lower energy form formations so to really upgrade the system we need to do certain kinds of practices so that's one part of it or we could be driven by the higher buddhi meaning thereby we should consult the owner where you want to go this owner is the soul this soul which is the owner of this entire vehicle is described in the various uh, spiritual text as the purusha seated in the heart of creatures so this is the psychic being so this purusha which is seated in the heart of every creature is the master and he is always in contact with the inner divine the immanent divine so that is the beauty but most often the car is being driven by the buddhi because this purusha is not yet awakened or he is not yet tangible visible as i said the owner has told go and pick up 
Aya from airport. Now, what prevents the driver from going different places, doing some side trips on the way? So, this is the situation in most of us that the mind is driving us. And later on, when we become aware of this Purusha seated in the heart, then life becomes beautiful, more focused, there is a clarity of direction. So, this is the complexity of our human nature. And each of this part which has come in us is part of the evolutionary gift. Each part has its own plane. So, there is the material plane. So, what is meant by material plane? Here, matter is the ruler. This plane belongs to matter. Everything must obey matter. And you have to change matter if you want matter to obey anything higher. Matter has to accept, adapt, modify, be integrated by the higher thing. So that's why when life came upon earth, matter had to be, matter had to accept the life force. It had to, the life force had to emerge from inside. But first matter had to undergo certain modifications. We see the entire journey from the moss and virus to human beings. Matter has progressively adapted. It takes long initially. The problem of matter is, often I use this simile of a typewriter. Very difficult because I don't know, they have this idea of placing the letters. There is a logic behind it, of course. But we are not used to operating. We are, for our, in the mind, the letters are A, B, C, D, E, F. But here you will see whatever, Q, T, V, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, yeah. So there is a different logic altogether. So it takes time for the fingers to learn that. But once you learn it, then it's a spontaneous process. So it takes long for matter to be ready for the emergence of life. And life itself is spread across many planes. On the lowest plane is life which is only concerned about matter's preservation. Preservation of material life. So it's about hunger and reproduction which are the two qualities of life, aspects of life. Which means sexual reproduction or asexual reproduction. Reproduction and hunger and thirst. This is the fundamental thing about. This life is concerned only about preserving the material life, newborn life in matter. So it will continue in human beings. It doesn't vanish. But on it another layer will evolve. So another layer which evolves is comes from the plane of, as we know, the greater life. In greater life, we have emotions, imagination, life tries to imagine, goes on an adventure trail, is moved by deep emotions, etc., etc. But this emotional life does not cancel hunger, thirst and sexuality. It modifies it. So there will be hunger, but if we are under siege of emotions, we may probably, you know, keep it aside for some time. Or it may be the other way around. We may feel hungry because something has been made by someone whom we love and care for. So this emotional life, this need for this imagination, this expansion, what is called as the central vital, this world of ambition where you want to do great things, slowly life is being liberated from the prison of matter. Yet the lower planes and their activities are present. It is only modifying it. A soldier on the mountain top lonely, guarding the sentinel, feels hunger, feels all the impulses. But he has to perforce for the moment, put them behind or modify them accordingly. Then we see the entrance of life which is more mentalized, intellectual life. So here the energy goes into 
feeding the mind. So we see in higher animals how some kind of thought begins to stir. So we see that here again the lower parts are present but they are getting modified. So this is why as we evolve and something which is yet to come is the spiritual life. Where this fellow, this Purusha seated in the heart has to step forward and he has to take charge. So when that takes charge, again all these layers have to undergo a modification, adaptation, matter has to undergo a change and thereby it has to express itself. So each of these elements have their corresponding plane. So on the plane of life, let us say that there is a plane of life which is the vital plane. In vital plane what happens? It's not matter which is the ruler, but life force is the ruler. Meaning thereby the matter of that plane or the substance of that plane will respond to desire. You desire and the matter will, the substance of that plane will be molded by desire. You imagine and that imagination will begin to mold that substance. So that's why people who are very creative, sometimes they may draw inspiration either from very high planes, sometimes from the vital plane. Because there they conceive actually an image, a figure and then they have to express it. So in these planes, the vital is the Lord. So whatever substance is there, it responds quickly to the vital. And because these planes are existing, that's why when we desire something, when we feel something, it travels instantly through the vital plane. Physically we may not be there. That's why the mother says to think of someone is to be near the person. So as we desire something, and in yoga there are even siddhis like that, where one perfects these kind of things like ishita, vashita. So what is ishita and vashita? Ishita is whatever you desire. You fulfill it. Now it may be good or bad depending on how you see it. But on the plane of life, one has developed a power and a connection. So there are those people who have, you know, can perform miracles like that. Whatever you tell them that I want this sweet, I know of a Baba who actually would get you any sweet that you wanted. But he had an expertise on sweet. And on each of these planes there are beings. They will go bring, materialize. It happens within second. Because in the plane of desire, it travels very fast. Or in the plane of emotions. Again, when we feel for someone, like waves, these vibrations will go and reach and hold that person. That is what is called as vashita. Those who have mastered they have this tremendous capacity to influence, even emotionally. Many of the leaders we'll see have this capacity. That's how they can influence people through emotion. So it's important to understand these planes. Each of them which is present in us as individual is also present in the universal plane. Then there is the mental plane. In mental plane, the substance responds to thought. So you think of something and that substance molds itself. You see how nice, that's how the gods can change their forms in the mental world according to what we think of them. If we think they are eight-armed, the gods can instantly assume, gods of the mental plane can assume that form because it's so easy. If you think that there is a god who will, who will be like this, like a veil and an apparition, the god can take that form because in the mental world, the mental substance responds to the mind energies and mind forces, to thought. Now imagine again in the thought world, somebody who opens and has become very powerful. So that thought can reach into other minds and begin to influence. 
So this is how we have these three planes of consciousness. Now beyond the mind, there are other planes of consciousness which have not yet evolved and are not yet organized. But time to time human beings had entry into these planes. These are what are traditionally called as spiritual planes. Shubhindu uses the word spiritual mind. Why? Because these planes lead us to a point which seems the highest but is not yet the highest. That's what he uses the word as overmind. It's very dazzling. So here we can conceive that this there is a staircase which is moving first through three levels of the building or going from the basement, the subconscious, moving through three levels of a building. Then when it reaches the third level, it has to go to the roof. And there is a point where as it is moving towards the roof, it sees, oh, there is sun, there is light. It has not yet gone out above. But it is struck with that splendor. Or let us say that before it can touch the roof, there is a kind of opening which is covered by a glass through which you can see the sun. And it's so dazzling, so brilliant. But you don't know how to go beyond the glass. You don't know what fabric it is made of. You're not even sure because the light is so dazzling that if you were to step, you don't know whether you will be burnt, whether you will be able to come back. So many yogis climbing from the human mind have risen to these spiritual planes. They had a contact with that light. But through this transparent or translucent lid, this translucent lid is the overmind. And why, one, why they didn't go beyond? One, they felt this is ultimate. That lid is so translucent. Beyond it is all light, blazing. Shubhinda uses the word blaze. And second, they felt we have found the highest. But there we don't have the secret of transformation. So Shubhinda speaks about opening the lid, going above and bringing down. So what is there above? That is the great mystery. Now Shubhinda says that when we go further up, Beyond this stairway, which is leading us to the roof, to this place where there is a little glass ceiling, which none opened. If you open it, then what do you find it? So the ancient yogis have just described it as pragya, superconscient. If you go there, you can't remain awake. It's like if you imagine, I think uh, in, in, uh, in young age when we suddenly entered into a blazing light, what happens? You shut the eyes. And then you want to move away because you can't bear that light. And when you move away, if somebody said, what is the, oh, it's tremendous light. Can we see in the light? No, we have to get accustomed to seeing in the light. Just like to see in the darkness, we have to get accustomed to see in the darkness. Otherwise, we'll just say pitch dark. So similarly, yogis did not enter into that utter darkness. They knew it is dark. But it is pitch dark, but there are things in the pitch dark, planes of consciousness, lower down, subconscious, inconscient, where there is a whole world, there is a kind of life which is there, fallen life, all this is there. But to see, be able to see there, we must be able to see in that darkness. Equally, they saw this blaze, but what is hidden in the blaze? One was not accustomed to its piercing. It's, it's almost like the body will burn away. So they saw, had a glimpse and closed the eyes, came back. Oh, there is blazing light. And therefore, we can gradually go there. If you want to transit into that light, we are done with birth and death. But Sri again enters in that realm of blazing light. And 
well, his eyes get used to that light because of the intense tapasya. And then he is able to see what is there in that light. So there he sees that there are still higher worlds. The building doesn't stop there. It is there, but it has not yet taken a concrete form. So what is there in those higher worlds? These are, we use the word lower worlds for the sake of understanding. It's one continuation, but it's manifested. There he sees there are worlds which have not yet manifested, but they are there waiting to manifest. So there he sees just as below there are these three lower worlds, physical world, vital world, mental world. And there is a band of connecting world between the human mind and the higher world, higher worlds which are beyond in that light. That's the what is called as the spiritual mind, where Shubhinda speaks of higher mind, illumined mind, intuitive mind, over mind. The difference is, before we enter into the higher mind, we are still moving through darkness. As we enter into the higher mind, the stairway is turned, like you know, the last flight of stairs. So you see, okay, 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 we are nearing a door. And then as you go up and up, you begin to see a little more of the sky. We begin to experience more of the light. So this is from the human rational mind which has manifested so far to the over mind. But beyond it, Shobhinda speaks of the four higher worlds and we'll see how it's so logical. So there is of course, the first that we encounter is the super mind. Super mind is what this entire super conscient world which is blazing there. It is the one which takes all this light and then distributes it down below. It's like a prism which takes all the light and transfers it into all its various seven rays or as many rays if you want, thousand rays depending on how we look at it. And all these lights get modified and that get transmitted. So this is the supermind which is like the station where the entire blazing superconscient enters the omnipotent, omniscience of God and from there it gets into the creation. And beyond the supermind, he speaks about three worlds or four worlds if you like. There is the Satlok, the Tapolok, the Anandalok or Chidganlok. So these are the four worlds. And where do they come from? They come from the one who is Satchidananda. So we see that it's the logic of it is now we see that the divine is Satchidanand. So that means he has three or four aspects depending on how we look at it. Sat is existence. Chit has two sides, consciousness and force. And Ananda, which is bliss. So there is the Satlok where Satchidanand keeps behind the other parts and only that existence part he expresses. But everything else is there. Anytime he can bring out. There is no loss. It's just that he puts forward a part. But there is no involution there. He knows himself. But he has put forth one part. So that becomes Satlok. Then becomes this Chitganlok. Where only the consciousness is put forth. And then the Tapolok. Which is about the force aspect. And then there is the Anandlok. Or the bliss aspect. So these are the three or four higher world, depending on how we look at it. And then there is the supramental plane. So traditionally, we use the three higher worlds, Sat, Chit, Ananda. And then there is the supermind, where all this entire blaze enters. 
and from there it will be distributed into creation. So it becomes like an X, where you have the junction, beyond which is the higher hemisphere, and below it is the lower hemisphere. So now Shirvinda has opened the doors of the supramental consciousness. Now, where does the driver and the owner of the car come in? Now the owner has new possibility. So what is this new possibility? Before the supramental plane of consciousness entering and organizing itself here, his car had to run invariably on the physical plane. Even if he wanted, he can't take that car and go to Mars. He has to step out, make something else. But now with the supramental possibility, it's possible for the owner and the driver to take this car and turn it into a either a diving board or take it into the air for climbing to higher and higher worlds. So this is a new possibility which comes with the supramental. But as we have said, matter has to undergo modification. This has implication on what is going on now. Because the supramental consciousness is already operating, it is impacting matter, bringing out from matter the supramental which is hidden in matter, the supermind hidden in matter. And because of this, matter is feeling the pressure to adapt. And it has to adapt, it has to transform, and it has to be integrated into the new life. And then we will have the supramental being upon earth, meaning thereby the supramental owner with the supramental driver in the supramental car. So this is the whole <laughs> map. And it means that journey can take another dimension. Right now we are traveling in certain dimensions. Now with this supramental possibility, we can travel in many more dimensions while being in the body than we can even conceive of. It means a massive shift upon earth, massive change of consciousness, a complete reorganization of life based on a new principle which is the principle of truth. Now when truth begins to act, it means many things which we felt are order will begin to change. So there will be a disorder. So what is this disorder? Because this truth is shifting things. They have to be according to the truth vision. Up till now, mind and life is organized. So mind and life organized, as I said, the Driver is taking the car according to his idea, not according to the original divine plan. With the coming of the truth consciousness, now the divine plan, the original divine plan can completely manifest upon earth. So things will be where they should be and not as our vital wants, our emotions want, our desires want or as our mind thinks and conceives. So this is the great shift which we see taking place all over the world. And it means a whole new orientation. Many things will change. Certain things which were here will suddenly go there. Certain things which were there will come here. And all this change will go on and on till finally the world is shaped into an image perfect of the divine plan. Thank you. Namaste.